All right, education, two to the sixth show. Whatever, dude. 64, man. It's 64. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back one more time. Another week, another golden show. Another week, it's two. Well. <laughs> but those of you who have come late to the show, it, <laughs> it downloaded right along with the rest of them. So lucky you, you didn't have to wait. That's right, that's right. So. Um, who are you? I am Scott. And I am Scott Duarte on this end, Chanel on that. Yay. Welcome back, everyone. You'd think I'd have that down by now. You you think we'd have the whole thing down by now. Exactly. but It's down, baby. I'm it's down. only It's only been two years, you know. I'm down. We'll get it down in five years or so. so now the Beatles are going to sue me. Or Michael Jackson. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because that song's recognizable. That's right. Um, anyway. So, my email is scott at edgycation dot org. And mine is Scott Duarte, S C O T T D U A R T E, all one word, all lowercase, all at education.org. Very nice. <laughs> Nicely. <laughs> Nicely done. I hadn't rehearsed that one at all. <laughs> um, so, we went to uh, quick throw out a thank you for everybody who's been listening and. Uh, our loyal following and those of you who are new welcome, welcome. to the show welcome one and um, please feel free to go back and download all of the rest of the uh, 63 other shows that we've done plus the videos and stuff like that i think that actually puts us up at 70 things in the feed uh yeah Ish. and feel free to pass us along as a parting gift to those guests who that's right come burn to a cd of your five favorite shows and give them to five people that you know and you'll have luck for the rest of your life or your money back. <laughs> okay, so mm. we got any of uh, this stuff. No, I'm still holding on to my news. Really? Yeah, mm. one more, one more show. One more? You promise? Yeah. yeah. Promise. Yeah, I promise. Okay. So next week we will drag the secret from his lips. <laughs> it's like lost, man. It just builds and builds. <laughs> I am totally waiting until they have finished the last two on the at the end of May before mm -hmm. I watch the one that was just um, just pr done. So it, I still haven't watched the last one, but must wait. Yes. Uh, so Any news for you? I got. Uh, nothing major that I can talk about currently. So right. uh, there's some stuff moving around in the background, but maybe next week we'll do an all-news secret show. Ooh, Ooh, sounds groovy. Very scary. Okay, so let's move on. Move on. So uh, welcome to our guest today. We have uh, a Jeff first for us. Yes, a, a real actual linguist. Linguist and a real actual doctor. Uh, doctor. Yeah. yeah. So please welcome Jeff Fresh. Woo! Yay! 
think this is where we, you talk. We didn't oh, have right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. We, didn't, we don't have any hands clapping, uh, okay, so okay, we okay, had okay. a drum okay, roll. Great. So, uh, <laughs> drum <welcome>. roll. <laughs> I did. I, I don't know. That's Low it. budget, That's man. Low budget. Well, we'll have to come in someday and actually make a clapping. Yay. All right. Yay. So today's topic is um, content in the class. And um, even going more specific into that. Into hardcore linguistics in the classroom, is, which is what Jeff does. Right. So before we get moved back over to that, let's find out who Jeff is. Jeff, who are you? Who well, are you? I'm uh, all of my students' favorite teacher, they tell me. <laughs> and, uh, really? Yeah, wait, right. wait, wait, wait. All oh, your students when... are my old students. <laughs> Man. Maybe that explains that. Right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I'm from Texas. Your neck of the woods. Yep. Scott Duarte. Um, let's see, I've been here at Kansai Gadai for four and a half years, so I'm getting ready to head back home as soon as I can. Uh-huh. Um, when, um, where did you go to, where did you get your undergraduate degree and what was it in? I studied at St. Olaf College and uh, I was an English major. Oh, cool. And yeah. then your, your master's? Then my master's was at University of Missouri, Columbia. Mm-hmm. And there I studied linguistics and English language. And your uh, PhD? My PhD at Rice University in Houston, Texas. Nice. nice, uh, nice. A small little school that maybe you've heard of. No. Good. Very, very. <laughs> no. It, Rice is no, very Rice is good huge. in yeah, the yeah. area. Well, very it's a, good. It's, a, it's, a, big, it's yeah. a good school. So, Very cool. So how did you get from Texas to here? Well, uh, the problem is in linguistics that it's really hard to get a job and even harder to get the sort of job you'd want to put on your resume. So <laughs> McDonald's uh, doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I ended up teaching English as a second language at the University uh, of North Texas. And I thought I was going to lose my job right after 9-11. Mm. So in desperation, I was looking around for something to do. And Kansai Gaidai came across the email as uh, hiring people. Excellent. Excellent. So that's how I ended up here. Very All right. Cool. Uh, let's go further because you have an, an interesting background, what was, um, let's see if I struck out with this question, what was one of the first languages that you learned? Well, directly uh, or indirectly? As a kid, I grew up in Nigeria, so I... I hit that one! <laughs> Good job! So I spoke, um, I spoke the native language of the, of the village where we were living, which is called Ekpari, mm-hmm. or, or also Yache. It's only spoken by about 2,000 people. Oh, that's wow. cool. Mm-hmm. And so in linguistics, um, because you're doing a bunch of uh, studies, uh, who are you focusing on? Right now I'm working on uh, the language of Chitino, which is a Zapotecan language spoken in southwest Mexico, in the state of Oaxaca. Very yeah. cool. All right. What, uh, what drew you to that? Anything in uh, particular? Basically... I got started working on it when I was a student, and I've just continued working on it since then. That's cool. Yeah, I published my dis- uh, I had my dissertation written as a, a grammar of the language, a sort of oh, that's basic cool. morphosyntax description. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Very nice. All right, so you have this vast uh, storage of knowledge of linguistics, and at Kansai Gaidai, second year IAS, we um, moved from just teaching academic skills preparation, academic language skills preparation, into content-based classes. Uh, You have two divisions. You have uh, humanities and you have social sciences. 
And so Jeff's classes have been in the social sciences realm, right. uh, teaching linguistics. And to date, how has that been going? It's been going not too badly. I've had some ups and downs with the way the students have, have received the ideas and whether they like the classes or not. But I'd say about, uh, see, I think I've, this is my fourth class with it, and three of them have been all right. One of them was kind of uh, a bit of a downer. Mm-hmm. So do you, what kind of stuff do you do with them? I mean, I, I came in and said it was hardcore linguistics, but that's mm-hmm. not terribly district, descriptive for the audience. Right. What, uh, so what usually, kind of I, uh, for if, when I had it for a whole year, mm-hmm. this, this year I only have it for one semester, so I've kind of pared it down a bit. Right. But when I had it for the whole year, I would do the four, four areas, which are phonology, morphology, syntax, and semantics. Mm-hmm. And I would just do half a semester for each one. Mm-hmm. And... Um, for my students, since I think um, one of the things that I try and do is even though I'm trying to do a serious content course, I want to make it as flexible as possible because the students don't get to choose which topic they're going to study. They're, right. just, they're selected by their level. So to make it as flexible as possible, I always give my students a choice between writing about English or Japanese or the Kenyan language that we're using for our our sort of field research language. Oh, cool! So they can either they can focus on any of those er, in any of those languages. And so does the whole case, class have to decide as a group? No, or they can choose themselves. So I, oh, whenever I cool. give an assignment sheet, I give them those three choices, and then I give some suggestions for topics in each of the languages. Mm-hmm. And what's the basic breakdown of the the choices? Um, it it varies from year to year. This year, um, about a third of the students went for Kenyan Luo. And about two-thirds went for Japanese for the first paper. Nobody's attempted to do anything with English yet. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But the class, all the discussion and everything is uh, all in English. It's all in English, and we we talk about topics from different languages, Mm -hmm. but mostly, again, you know, that Kenyan language and Japanese and English. That's very cool. So um, the three classes that went well, and then you had the one class that, that didn't, what was different what factors um, do you think led to it being not as good as, as the other three? Well, um, I'm not really sure what was different, to tell the truth. I partially blame it on having a really excellent partner teacher that year mm. who, uh, who uh, was charismatic and also a very good teacher. <laughs> so oh, is that? I think I suffered by comparison. That was, so that was last year's class? That was uh, two years ago. Two years ago. So it was uh, Chris Mulligan. Oh, okay, okay. So in case you're listening, Chris. You can take me out for beer anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure he hears. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, pro- they 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 liked his style, and I mean, we all have different styles, and all the students should be taking each class as a separate thing. But right. but in fact, what often happens when you have the same group for you know two hour, you know, you have the one group for two classes. Uh, a, you know, so four classes a week, basically six hours. The other teacher has the same thing. So mm-hmm. the two foreign teachers are kind of a big part of the students' education that year. Yeah, yeah. So they almost invariably sort of set one up against the other, depending on how it how it works. You know, how right. similar your classes are, or I don't, I don't know. I guess some other factors, but quite often it ends up that you know there's a sort of popularity contest between mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. teachers. Sure, sure. Any other factors? Do you think? Um, well, that I was a level A class. Or? That was a level A class. Okay, yeah, so they, they so the highest good. level students in the university. Right. 
And they were really good students. And I think also in some ways, I think that it's a bit of, it's a bit of uh, you know, a crapshoot to see how well it's going to work with any group of students. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, one of the problems, again, with teaching a content course is the students can't choose. So I think that, you know, depending on the dynamics of the class, you can sort of get headed in a positive direction or a negative direction, and it can sort of tend to burn right. itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, that ties back to last week's episode. So if you check that out, you can hear more <laughs> about the virtuous or vicious cycle. Of karma in the classroom. That's very right. true. Very true. And um, so, when it's gone well, um, what? Uh, I lost my question. I hate that. I don't know where you were going. I have with no it. idea where. I was um, going with have it. you only been teaching it with the A level? I've taught it with uh, D's, A's, and B's. Okay, and so when you taught it with the the D's, the the lowest of the the four, which mm-hmm. um, do you, do we know? TOEFL I, scores? I, when I had D, it was around TOEFL of about 450-ish. Okay, so around there. How did, it, how did it go with it? How much could they handle and produce? They could basically handle everything. Yeah, it wasn't a problem. They could read all of the assignments. They could, mm-hmm. you know. Basically, what kind of stuff do you have them reading? I have them reading... Um, Big old, thick old textbook. It's a textbook called The Language Files, and then sometimes I... Like the text files? Language Files, yeah. That's where they try to decide if extraterrestrial life <laughs> uses linguistics. linguistics yeah. <laughs> that would be there's your there's your published book, man. That would Work be with cool. the SETI project. Exactly. Okay, so anyway. sorry. Or is so, it whether so. or not the Kansai Gadai students are intelligent? I don't know. <laughs> is there intelligence out there on campus? That's next week's topic. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so, so they they read uh, the the language guide, the language files, language files. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, do do they have like uh, real listenings that that they do for the analysis and stuff? How do you structure do they do the class? The analysis? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh, usually so. I just have them start at the beginning, and we get usually we read the first few chapters: are phonology, morphology, syntax, and then semantics. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically almost enough for the whole course right there but you know you can you can have them read a little bit more if you want to into social linguistics mm-hmm. so usually so we start with phonology and and they have to learn things like you know what what are the uh, the ipa they have to basically get the ipa and then they have to is figure that a out what a phoneme is yes it's a so beer it's the international phonetic alphabet oh yeah that one symbol okay. for every sound supposedly in all the different world languages and they have do you to have do, them memorize it? I have them Learn memorize Not enough memorize to do it. English and Japanese, and then since we're doing this dual language, they should, you know. That's cool. Yeah, because when I took my uh, morphology and phonology class, I had to memorize it. I didn't have to learn it. I had to memorize <laughs> it because <laughs> she wrote yeah. something down, and I had to make That's that right, sound. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I I have them do that, and they can yeah. usually memorize it enough at least to remember for the quiz, and then they forget about it. Of after course, that. yes, yes, yeah. And when do you start to introduce the Kenyan? Uh, I start right at the beginning. So as soon as they start doing transcription, if we're doing so this year, actually we're not doing phonology just because I only have one semester. Mm-hmm. Oh. But if we're doing phonology, 
then I have them start doing transcriptions of Kenyan data right away as practice using the IPA. And where do you get the, the data from? What I get pool it from do you... native speaker here in town, so I record all my own data. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, I do elicitation myself and transcribe a couple of stories, short narratives and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do they like that aspect of it? Do, doesn't the, the speaker come into class? Well, once that's what we would do, but um, just because... It's hard to work that out unless you're really dedicating your whole class to a field method uh-huh. approach. So I usually do mostly elicitation outside of class and then okay. give them the data. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I usually uh, try to bring the student in at least once during the semester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And so what aspects um, do the students receive, are, are the most well-received by the students? They um, tend to prefer the syntax and semantics, and then when we go into social linguistics, they also like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Phonology is a little bit dry and kind of technical, and some of the students really go for it, but some of them you know, get a little bit, uh, I don't know, intimidated or turned right. off. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of teachers, me included, haven't really taught a content content mm-hmm. Base class. I mean, we, we use real content for various topics and everything, but we don't have one course dedicated to a certain field or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, what advice would you give um, to students or to teachers who are going into teaching a content class for the first time? Okay, for me, um, first of all, um, you have to choose the material really carefully. You know, decide try and figure out what exactly the students are actually going to be capable of learning. And since it's a second language class for me, I have to really aim it at a kind of low level, make the problems, make the the issues that we try and challenge pretty easy for Mm -hmm. the students to get. Um, But um, then I try and orient the students to the whole idea of a content course because I think they're not really prepared for it by the orientation that they get. <laughs> and I think that it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit strange of an idea for them because to me the idea of a content course for teaching English as a second language is that it doesn't really matter what the content is. It could be anything. It could right. be astrology if you wanted or and anything works. But the reason that I teach linguistics is I think that it's really important for the teacher to know about their content yeah, yeah. That because that gives the students confidence and allows you to shape the content of the course, you know, effectively. So I try to orient the students to the idea that even if they don't like linguistics, if they can somehow manage to forget that they don't like it for a while and just <laughs> pretend that they like it, they're going to get the most out of the course. See, mm-hmm. now that's what I should have, somebody should have told me that when I was doing my master's degree. Yep. Yeah, because it actually sort of works because if they just play it like a game, they're often worried about, you know, when when are they going to be able to use this stuff? Why don't mm-hmm. we study something useful like Italian or French instead mm-hmm. of some little, you know, Kenyan language that they're never going to hear again? Right. But that's the whole idea of a content course. The whole idea of a content course is that you use your language in a way as if you were learning new material and and by... I think that if if content courses really work, and I think they really do, yeah, they work sort of by taking your attention off of the grammar, the vocabulary, all of that stuff, 
and instead using your language as a tool to do something else. And it's when you forget about the language itself that you're actually in your most receptive mode to learn it mm -hmm. the best. All right. Yeah. Very true. Mm -hmm. Well said. <laughs> um, what, what type of... Um, what would you tell teachers starting out in, in content-based teaching to avoid or some some pitfalls that to be careful of, to watch out for? Well, again, I think that um, one thing that I've done progressively is even, even though I've had, I think, better and better groups of students, paradoxically, because it's supposedly the entrance exam scores have been going down little by little at Kansagata, right. it seems like the A group is better and better every year. That might again get back to you guys. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> all me. <laughs> all me. So anyway, um, even though the students seem to be getting better and better every year, I sort of give, make the material simpler and simpler every year. Because um, if the students try to get too technical, they get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. they, may in, they may get tempted to look at other sources that are just going to completely destroy their own creativity mm -hmm. because for example if they look at published material okay let, let me just say for example like this year i asked my students to write about i i skipped phonology so i went straight to morphology and the choices for japanese were well for japanese they had to write about japanese verbal morphology in other words the suffixes that you get at the ends of the verbs in japanese which is really complicated so if they look at a published source it's going to completely wipe out any creativity that they right. have because mm -hmm. whoever published is so far ahead of them uh -huh. and what they really have to do to make the course enjoyable is to get their hands on the data and try and figure out what's going on right and in the case of japanese they've been speaking the language all their life but they don't know anything about it yeah in spite of the fact that they've probably had to memorize a few things in well, high I mean, school. it's like most most native english speakers don't know yeah. the grammar or the rules behind right. why it does that yeah so when they learn what a morpheme is then they can look at their language and and try and figure out what are the morphemes in the language and they don't line up necessarily with anything that they've studied so far for example they don't line up exactly with the kana you know you mm -hmm. can have changes that are just a vowel changing yeah yeah and so that's not reflected in the kana so it's not like one kana is one morpheme exactly so i have to kind of unlearn some ways of thinking about the language and learn other ways of thinking about it and if the task is relatively simple like just find a few verbal morphemes and try and fit them into a system mm -hmm. describe what they mean mm -hmm. describe the form and you know give a few tables and talk about what you found that's a relatively easy task, but it's challenging enough. Right. So sure. I think right. one of the main things is just aim at a very basic level. Very cool. Whatever it is. Can I go off on a tangent? Please. For for Halloween at my, my T-Soul. Oh, geez. I didn't know the tangent was way <laughs> over there. I was a morphematic. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I have a boo? I gotta have a boo. Yeah, <laughs> was close enough. It was great. <laughs> a morphematic. Morphematic. How did that costume work? I I was I was like I had uh, makeup like huge bags under my eyes and and uh, marks on all down my veins and a big syringe that said morphine on it Jeez. taped to me <laughs> a holy T-shirt and you know That's pretty good. I was all dragged out very good on morphemes cool.
Okay. Get back. <laughs> reel it in, reel it in. Uh-huh. Um, have you thought about doing anything different other than linguistics? Do you, do you enjoy doing this level of content-based with the kids? Or do, yeah, I or definitely do you find enjoy doing boring? linguistics. Yeah, for yeah. me, that's... Uh, Definitely makes it worthwhile to teach the course because yeah. I always learn something new myself. You know, yeah, that's cool. Being able to work with some new data once in a while from this African language that we're working on mm -hmm. also is, is really uh, rewarding for me personally. And I wouldn't attempt anything else because I don't feel I, like I really know mm -hmm. that much about anything else. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I could do try and do something like... Um, you know, linguistics for teaching English as a second language, give it a slightly different focus. Or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, it has to, on on so, some, if not several levels, it has to have been working because I don't think mm -hmm. you would keep doing the same thing if it, it wasn't working with the students. Yeah, actually, I think it works pretty well. I mean, mm -hmm. most of the time, I, w I would call it a, a pretty good success because the students end up writing fairly interesting papers mm -hmm. and... I think that they they are doing it all in English. They're they're definitely learning a certain methodology. They're learning a certain um, a, a certain uh, rhetorical way of writing papers for social science. So they they mm -hmm. do learn all that. Like I tell my students, if they can if they can master one social science, they can do any of them. So if they learn how to write papers on linguistics, with a little bit of adaptation, they can learn how to write papers on psychology or history uh -huh. or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's all the base, the same basic method, which is just collect data, study it carefully, write about your conclusions. Your conclusions help you find ways to get more data, and then you test your conclusions and go on and on. Yeah, I think, before I lose the, the, the idea, I think one of the things that you said that was really important and um, really kind of actually turned my opinion on teaching something like linguistics, because that would just scare the hell out of me. I don't know if I could do it. Um, it was cluing the students in on what a content course, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is is about and, and getting them to kind of uh, play ball a little mm -hmm. bit. And, uh, and so do you do a little bit of like, all right, this is what a content course is? Yeah, I, I do a little bit of that at the beginning. I, mm -hmm. I try and um, I also I also for for the linguistics class since it's a lot of it is solving problems mm -hmm. with data. Mm -hmm. I give them uh, a logic problem at the beginning of the semester and see if anybody can solve it. What is it? What is it? Okay, the one I use is the twelve coins and a balance problem. Okay, where you have twelve coins that all look exactly the same and feel the same but you know that one of them is a slightly different weight and you have a balance and you can use the balance three times. Mm -hmm. And from that, you have to determine which is the one that's different from the rest mm -hmm. and also whether it's heavier and lighter than the rest. Oh, for the answer, come back next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really tough problem. Yeah, yeah. Most years, nobody can get it. This year, one of Scott's former students got it the next day. Really? Who? Mm -hmm. Ryoko. Real, and that's a surprise in itself. Yeah. Smart kid. Yeah, she she, she Wikipedia'd it. <laughs> it's possible. Well, but I don't know. Like I said, smart kid. There you go. <laughs> don't work harder, work smarter. I don't think she did because she explained everything and she had a slightly different solution. There's several slightly different solutions uh -huh. that you can you can do. I'm impressed. It's all me. It's all me. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of all you. All right. Um. 
Is there anything that anything else that you uh, would like to approach, but uh, we hadn't asked you the right question for? Um, basically, for what, one of the other things that I think is, if anybody uh, is interested in doing linguistics, I think that anybody can do it because in a book like the Language Files, you can just read those chapters and you can you know learn it faster than the students will be able to learn it. Mm -hmm. You don't and need to know everything. You just need to know more than the students. Mm. That's right, yeah. Like the bear. Yeah. I don't have to run faster than the yeah. bear. I just have to run faster than you. That's right. <laughs> Besides, you're the bear. So. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Be the bear. Be, be the, the bear. bear. See, now that'll be a great title for this episode. I'm going to change it. The episode title is going to be Be the Bear. <laughs> yeah, because they'll figure out what this uh, show's all about by that. Okay, maybe not. Anyway, and Then sorry. the other thing is... Um, Usually in, in classes that you've had in linguistics, probably you start off with phonology and then morphology and right. syntax. But you don't really need to do phonology if you don't want to. You can just skip that altogether. Mm -hmm. In fact, some, mm -hmm. some classes in the United States um, now will do morphology and then syntax and semantics and phonology at the very end. Oh, really? Because in some ways, phonology is one of the most difficult things. It's the most mm -hmm. abstract. And if you're working with a particular language, a new language to the students... If they've heard it in the examples or even looked at written examples for the whole semester, they're in a better situation mm -hmm. to attempt yeah, phonology cool. at the end than they are at the beginning. Cool. All right. Excellent. Well, I uh, want to say thank you to Jeff. Oh, thank um, you. Definitely. Where were you guys? Where are you um, heading to next? Have we're you heading decided? back to Denton, Texas. Heading back to Denton. Yeah. Cool. So if uh, anybody out there in Denton is there, make sure that uh, when you see Jeff hanging around, uh, buy him a beer. Or two thanks, or eight. Guys. Yep. <laughs> so it. thanks for coming no in. Uh, we got Thank a couple you. other things to uh, right. wrap up here. Let me do this one. Um, do you have anything else that uh, you want to add? I'm good to go. Cool. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in one more time. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Tell your friends. Seriously, download uh, five of your favorite shows. Put them on a CD. Give them out to five of your friends. Tell them to come listen to the show if they like it. And if they don't like it, tell them to not. And um, just if you have any questions for Jeff, just um, email it to us and we will forward it on. Yep. Or leave it on the MyChingo um, voice, voice recorder. System, or you can even comment in the show notes and or comment under the show posting and we we'll, we do go through and read the comments. So. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Have a great uh, day and thank you very much, Jeff, for coming in. Thank Take you. care, everyone. Thank you, Jeff.